Ready Check Radio. What's up, Internet? It's Thursday. It's 7 p.m. Eastern. That means here on Ready Check Radio, it's time for The Relic Grind, the Final Fantasy XIV Square Enix podcast, where we talk about, well, like Final Fantasy XIV and things Square Enix. I mean, it's pretty self-explanatory. I'm your host, Mike Byrne, a.k.a. Magic Man, like I am every week. And if you're watching on YouTube, listening on iTunes, Spotify, Audible, any of the platforms, we appreciate it. Thank you so much. Make sure you give it a like, a thumbs up, a subscribe, turn on those notifications, throw your opinions and comments in their feed, Senpai algorithm. But more importantly, tell a friend. It's easy, it's fast, it's cheap, and it's a great way to support us. If you need our socials, check out the website right down there, readycheckradio.com. I've got them all in a little line in the upper right-hand corner. Makes it easy to find. Plus, you'll get backlogs of all of the episodes here of The Relic Grind our Saturday show, Gaming Gumbo, and even the old Snowbound show, which I swear someday Activision and Blizzard will stop touching each other when they're not supposed to, and we'll be able to do that show again. I, one day, I hold out hope. I have not stricken it from the show or from the site. We'll see. We'll see. After Microsoft gets it, maybe? <laughs> maybe. Maybe. We'll see. It's one of my favorite shows. We do have a little bit of Final Fantasy XIV news, Final Fantasy XI news, and a few other miscellaneous Square Enix items. But Final Fantasy trading card game. Yes, it has a trading card game. Ha, ha, ha. Uh, comes out with this new set from Nightmares, unofficially Opus 19. They've dropped the Opus titles a while ago, but we still all call them Opuses. So from Nightmares is the set. Comes out officially tomorrow. We're going to go through what we usually do and go through all the legends, giving you our thoughts along the way. Joining me to do so, Mr. Chris Montoya, a.k.a. Tarkov. What's up, sir? Greetings, programs. I, I thought this was a Snowbound episode because like, I'm hyped for Diablo 4 be- open beta. It, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, won't touch it. Sorry. It was a lot of fun. <laughs> no, won't touch it. Have no intention of buying it, giving them money. Can't do it. But if, you, if you're playing it and you enjoy it, I'm glad you found a game you like. I'm glad you found a much, game. Much better than Immortal. <laughs> well, yeah, that's not hard. That's not that's not hard. Also on the line, Mr. Adam Lane. What's up, Kronos? Not too much. Just busy. You're looking, <laughs> I was going to say, you're look, actually looking pretty chill. You're just kind of like, yeah, I'm here. Yeah, I'm in perpetual state of tiredness. Oh. <laughs> and this man doesn't even have kids. Doesn't have a game. Man, this dude would be beat with some kids. He would just be absolutely wrecked. Absolutely. Let's send I'm gonna send you my kids. Tark, send Kronos your kids too. And uh and then report back, Kronos. Let us know how yeah, it all goes. Please don't. <laughs> please don't. All right, let's get uh into some 14 news first. Not a lot going on. Uh we do have the hatching tide event coming up, uh, which is pretty cool. Which is pretty cool. I, I like the I like the Tomberry outfit reward uh, and a new emote, the frightened, uh, frightening emote. But the Tomberry outfit looks pretty badass. So we got that kicking off uh, next week. Also in North America, the data center upgrade happens at that same time, as does patch six point three eight, which we don't have official lists of what's going to be in 638 but the rumors seem to be chronos that this one's going to be mostly about uh, potentially some gear acquisition changes things like that if you read rumors on the internet 
What are you mm. looking for out of 638? Is there anything you think nobody's uh, keeping a bead on but will drop? No. I'm not really expecting much. Uh, I'd like to see some job adjustments, but I don't know. They, there hasn't really been talk of what they're going to do with it. Or maybe even some adjustments to the ultimate. I don't know. What, like uh, nerfs or... I don't know. I, I I just think there's still some funky stuff in the ultimate overall. They fixed a couple things, like some auto attacks that are weird in there. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I'm getting close to the pretty decently close to the finish line. So, yes. we'll see, I might be done by the time this patch hits. It, it'll be close. So, Tark, what, what are you looking for? Six three eight. Nothing really. I'm actually looking forward to the live letter, which is I think next week. So yeah, it's the following week. Getting ready for the six four reveal, uh, and what we can expect in there. As we kind of we close, we're closing in on it, gents. Like there's not a lot of time yeah. now between the next live letter talking about six point four, and then we kind of roll right into the beginning of the fan festivals and what we presume to be getting expansion news. Uh, mm. about what we'll be looking at next year in 2024 when we all think that'll come, like uh, late Q1, Q2-ish, uh, early Q2-ish. Are we still we still agree that that's probably the timeline, like a March, April, May type thing? Maybe a dip into June and just call it, you know, summer 2024? I'm probably more on the later side, yeah. Like, I'd probably say May-ish. Uh, you know, with the timeline that I laid out, previously may for this upcoming patch september I mean, october and then it's six months like you go longer than six months that's just yeah it just starts feeling weird yeah we've yeah. we've already talked about how it feels a little weird right now actually yeah. uh already with seeing how that extra two weeks per patch kind of has been stretching things out if you're on the pvp side of things uh, this week we'll also see the closing of season five on the crystalline conflict Obviously, if you're listening to this and you're just thinking, oh, damn, I didn't. Yeah, it's too late. Obviously, you're not going to make a lot of leeway and swinging over the next couple of days. But you might be able to ground out, grind out a couple of those rewards. I got to ask, because we were all generally pretty positive about the mode itself when it came out. We did speculate saying that, like, you know, the way it's structured, though, it does have this maybe it's not going to be great a month from now, you know, with the whole ranking system and the, the kind mm -hmm. of oddball things they were doing with that. Are you still grinding away season after season, uh, Kronos, to get your, your different rewards? Or has, has even somebody like you that has incentive to do it, have you just kind of fallen out of it too? I do the series. I don't really play ranked. You don't do the ranked season stuff? I, I don't mm. think I've played a ranked game since season two or three i might have played a couple in three but season one i was i was crystal and then season two i think i like did some last minute stuff just for fun and got like back to diamond i think and then season three i don't think i played at all yeah so, i mean I, I still play like the casual mode just for like tomes and how are your cues um they're the casual mode if you play if I play like after work, it's pretty instant. The rank, like if you, that's that's kind of the mode of the reason I stopped playing rank two is like rank queues became longer and, and casual queues are instant. Right. So it's like I I'll do the casual stuff for like tomes and then the series rewards because you know sometimes it's a mount or like a suit like some armor that looks kind of nice. 
Um, so I have been doing the series, at least up to the part where you get like the last reward that's not just trophy crystals. Right. Um, those so those I've done. But yeah, I don't know. I think they I don't know, it just feels like they're forgetting about it again. Honestly. Which doesn't surprise any of us if if you go back yeah. and listen to, to our stuff. Tark, when's the last time you, you jumped in? Um, so uh, yeah, unless you're getting into ranked like those first two to three weeks, like the queue times just become exponentially larger the farther you go people just drop off like oh i got crystal and they tune out so when i when i want to well, play we, and PvP, we talked about that I'll without a decay line. system yeah. there is no incentive yeah. to keep playing exactly uh so i do some frontline i'll do the casual because that has good queue times um and that's how i get my series rewards um i actually haven't touched rank at all because i was prepping for ultimate and it just kind of was out of sight out of mind so I'm going through and get my series rewards, but I'm season, sure I'm sure I'm going to so shock all uh, of you here in a moment. You haven't I, touched it at all. Yeah, right? I have not been in <laughs> casual or ranked Crystal in Conflict in any way, shape, or form since season one and its <laughs> initial launch, and I felt like I had to play it a few times just so I could speak intelligently about it on the show. <laughs> so that was literally <laughs> the last time. I like I've even set foot in that section of the duty finder, uh, let alone actually well, that's, gone that, and that's, done anything. That kind of sucks because the, the new map I find to be a lot of fun. It's very I chaotic. Hate I hate. I love map. the new map. I love the new map. <laughs> so much stuff going on. There's too much shit. But uh, I mean, it's 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 designed that way. I don't. I think it's supposed to be that way. I think the jobs and stuff in there still feel pretty cool. And like, I think from a balanced perspective, they've balanced the jobs a lot better than it was initially. But, like, there's really no incentive to go in there outside of the series. Like, if you just, like, most people, I think, are just doing what we're doing, well, what Tark and I are doing. Mm -hmm. And that's just like getting the series armor or whatever that rank 25 reward is. And then that's it. <laughs> yep. I don't, I think a lot of, like, I think your ranked people are the same people that were doing like ranked feast at this point. Yeah. Maybe a little bit more because I think the mode's a bit more accessible and fun. But I think they're losing people, and I think also there's still a lot of rampant cheating, as far as I understand. So yeah, I've I've seen a lot of stories about win trading and other shenanigans. So, well, there you go. I'm sure we'll have a lot more when we get the live letter. We can talk about six point four. So let's move on to some other Square Enix news. Uh, taking a look at Final Fantasy sixteen, uh, according to an interview with uh, Famitsu and translated by uh, Atai Kimochi on Twitter. Uh, Hiroshi Takai and producer Naoki Yoshida confirm that Final Fantasy 16 will take 70 to 80 hours to complete if you want to see and do everything. They say that the main storyline will probably take about 35 hours to clear and then double that amount if you include all the side content and things like that. Yoshida said they wanted the players to be able to experience the story from start to finish, and if the story length itself was too long, then it might become tiring to play. So this resulted in the shorter 35-hour main quest and then a ton of side stuff. If you want to master all and level up all abilities, gather all accessories, do all the side quests, and fight all the monster hunts, you're probably looking at about 70 to 80 hours of gameplay. All right, so first off, I am not one of those people that ascribes to the thought of 
the length of a game versus its cost. That's just not what I do. <laughs> you know, it's, you know, otherwise I'd feel pretty ripped off by some movies charging me $16 for a ticket. If I did things <laughs> that way, like all movies would be equal, uh, right? $16. They were two hours long. Okay, cool. Uh, so I'm not one of those. And I kind of actually don't like when developers do this uh, because invariably it's going to lead to the headlines of, you know, people beating it in 20 hours. Um, and saying, you know, Square Enix didn't deliver on their promised 35 hours for the main story. Like, you're going to see all of that type of stuff. It's like, I, I hate the headlines where so-and-so game lost X percent of its player base in a month. Great. Fantastic. Who cares? <laughs> Report on it when it closes. Like, yeah, just fine. Uh, so I'm generally, I really don't ascribe to or put too much faith in these these types of things. But... Yoshi P did put it out there, Tark. So what do you think? 35 hours for main story quest, 70 to 80 hours to, for doing it all in comparison to previous Final Fantasies in comparison to gaming today. Does that feel about right to you? Is it short? Is it too long? What do you think? It feels just like a 7 remake felt uh, as far as you know, first time through, then the hard mode and doing all the extra stuff. Uh, I dumped like almost 100 hours into that game and I felt like I got my money's worth. So um, even just with the, the normal mode and the main story. So um, yeah, I, I'm all for it. Thank you. Thank you for the content. What you think, Kronos? Uh, yeah, it sounds typical. I think even 15, maybe like the main story was a bit shorter than this, but to do everything in 15 took quite a long time. So, I mean, this is about on par for like, I think like a Final Fantasy. You're not going to get like Persona linked where like, your first playthrough is going to take like 85 hours. Um, so, I mean, yeah, this is about... And, and again, I, I agree with you. I don't think hours necessarily... I think it matters to an extent. There's some context to be had, but... Especially like when you talk yeah. about RPG, but I don't think there's like... I mean, I'm about to buy Resident Evil 4 tomorrow, and that game's probably less than 10 hours. You know, like... And I'm, I'm going to gladly pay for that game. So yeah, I don't really it's think hour, so hours... It's looking so good, isn't it? It's looking yeah, yeah. so stupid. So stupid yeah. good. All right. Now, I don't know where this is actually going to... Yeah. All right. I forgot to add this B-roll, so let me just fix this for you. Because we did get some footage via the official Twitter of our little dog companion doing some sweet stuff. Doing a little bit of oh, combat. Turtle. Yeah, yeah. Doing a little bit of combat. This is... Uh, Clive and Joshua's uh, pet wolf, Torgal, or Torgal, if you prefer. So we're seeing a little bit of, like, combat abilities. They even talk about, the, the, yeah, Homebreaker clip, yep. The uh, ability to kind of combo off uh, with some of Clive's different abilities, a la... Sound, the, the way it, like, because obviously Google Translate, but the way it sounded was more along the lines of, I need, oh no, yeah, there we go. Boop, there we go. Mute that bad boy. Uh, so more along the lines of like, um, I don't want to say limit breaks, but like magic bursts in Final Fantasy XI, where if a certain attack is used after another attack. Yeah, sorry, I didn't know the dog's audio was on. It looks pretty neat. And they also show another clip, Tark, of him being kind of like your guide, right? Like using okay. using Torgal to, to guide the player on what the ne next objective to go to is. So little more, little more action. Just a couple more months, man. Couple more months. I I can't wait to get my hands on it, despite all the feelings I might have about it being Final Fantasy. I'm excited for this game. 
Um, and I hope my $2,000 investment on the collector's edition uh, is, is well worth it. So we'll, we'll see that and have an unboxing for that. But this game can't come soon enough. Yeah. I mean, again, like I'm, I'm looking forward to it as a game. I don't know how much I'm looking forward to it as a Final Fantasy. That's a different discussion <laughs> and one we've had here. What do you think of uh, your wolf buddy here, Kronos? I see, you, I see you watching had, the footage over and over. Navi. I had heard, um, and I don't know if this is true, that like he's tied to like a difficulty setting too. Is that true? Like that? Not that I'm aware of. Okay, so he's just like always there in certain parts of the game. Well, there, I, I don't, I don't know about settings, but remember, the game doesn't actually like have a difficulty setting, right? It's just the optional accessories well, that you may or may not use. To, okay, to I guess, adjust. I guess, is he yeah, an accessory? Is yeah, I guess maybe that's the. There's an accessory, I believe, to make him auto. Okay. So you don't input for for him. Yeah, you can use the, uh, okay. the one ring that that's makes him auto heard. and the other couple that's of probably. rings that do other various things to make the game quote unquote easier. That's probably what I heard then. I, I probably heard like the uh, it makes him like automatically do stuff. That's yeah. probably what I heard. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, I mean it looks cool. It does. Yeah. Again, I'm I'm, ex I'm excited to play it too. I have the similar feelings, but I'm still really excited to play it. We shall so. see. We shall see. Thirty five hours. Check your watches as soon as as soon as you start playing. Hit click on yeah, that timer. I'll, 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 just, I'll, I'll just let the I'll, game time it. Yeah, the, the game will tell me my playtime, how much of my life I sunk into it. Uh, last up in some Final Fantasy news: Final Fantasy Eleven producer Akihiko Matsui going to be passing the torch. Uh, Yoji Fujito, not surprisingly, going to be the person filling the shoes. They both put. Posts on the Play Online site. Uh, yeah, the, the Play Online site. I know. Uh, you're yeah. kind of talking <laughs> about one leaving and, and one coming in. And it's kind of, I don't know, as somebody who still dabbles in Final Fantasy XI, this is kind of a weird one. This feels like, oh, no, in one respect. Yeah. It's like, oh, that's that's probably not good. Uh, and then there's that other side of me that's like, Okay, but you know, uh, Fujito is one that you know wanted to do some different things and did get some things done in the game. So maybe putting somebody in charge that's like, hey, I kind of want to try to maybe force the issue a little bit might be nice if he does. Uh, or then there's like that middle ground of, okay, maybe nothing happens out of this and it just now we're truly in a maintenance mode, which we kind of were in a maintenance mode before, right? Like after um, uh, Rhapsodies, we had like a maintenance mode before we got to, to VR. So, and VR was awesome to see content going into the game, but now maybe another maintenance mode. And when you read Fujito's letter... Uh, maybe yeah. you read even more about that. He's like, you know, hey, uh, first off, most of our development team has served exclusively on Final Fantasy XI for many years. Remaining on the XI team full-time, however, would mean giving up certain opportunities in their careers as developers. For devs, working with new technologies and seeing the fruits of their labor take uh, form in new products uh, that can be a huge source of motivation and opportunity to grow. So rather than limit our developers to working exclusively on 11 and its decades-old technology, I believe it's going to be better to allow them to gain experience in other development environments and bring back their learnings to 11. That's a weird way to end that sentence. As such, <laughs> I've elected to further downscale the scope of our development team to provide more leeway for our operations to continue. 
The scope of our version updates will become quite compact as a result, but in exchange, we will focus on stabilizing our operations environment for the medium and long term. So, I mean, that that's maintenance mode, right? Like, we're cutting back staff, which we already knew was like, what, 10 people at this point? Some, <laughs> some, I'm not even like joking, right? That's so yeah. cutting it back even more makes it what, five, six people? Uh, what are Including they gonna, him? They're gonna go learn stuff, which is cool, and bring it back to 11. No, they're not. They're not going to bring it back to 11. You don't have any plans to do anything uh, with, with 11 that would necessitate going and learning new skills and, and bringing those skills back. Um, yeah, that kind of screams maintenance mode, Tark. Yeah, the, it, like even he realizes that, yeah, this is pretty much a dead end, you know, position. So you guys go off and, 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 and get some opportunities in, in games that are actually, you know, progressing in, in the future technologies because this is just such an old game but then further down he's talking about how they're going to be upgrading the hardware on the back end and i'm like well why would you necessarily do that if you're just going to be in maintenance mode so i'm i'm confused by this whole well, thing see, but that's the thing like i could this to me that makes sense uh, and if okay. you read if you read the way he describes it, he's like, hey, we're going to go into more detail to, for what future implants for 2023. They want to focus on ambuscade updates, updates, prime weapon, uh, reforging and master trials. OK, fine. Great. Whatever. Uh, fortunately for us, the current dev and operations team will continue providing support and we're working on replacing back end hardware, which supports Final Fantasy 11's ongoing operations that could cause maintenance to take longer than usual for some version updates. And I'd like you to understand, uh, I'd ask for your understanding, as this is necessary to ensure the long-term stability of operations. So for me, I kind of read that, Kronos, as we're going into maintenance mode, but the tech behind us still sucks, and we don't want that maintenance mode to be 90 days, one year, two years. We would like this to just stay in maintenance mode for as long as we can have it run. So we are going to have to make some back-end upgrades just so it continues to run five years, 10 years into the future here, even though we're not necessarily adding anything to it. That's kind of the way I took it. Gotcha. I mean, I mean, their back end is still like PS2 stuff, right? Yep, a PS2 dev kit stuff. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's like, I mean, the longevity on that can't be too much longer. I, I assume that's maybe what they're pointing toward. It's like maybe getting something that's like more serviceable because like you're just going to run out of people who can actually work on those things, right? Well, they, they've already done. They already did that. Like yeah. in, in VR content, some of that stuff, they were like, we don't have anybody that can create cutscenes on this. Like, yeah, so. <laughs> we can't make cutscenes so anymore. Yeah. Uh, I guess we, like creating it's just, how. It just doing maintenance is going to become a thing, too. Right. I mean, that's kind of where they're at now. Right. Like, yep. just being able to maintain those things is also going to be hard to find people and i mean but then cutting back just makes sense too right i mean right, how old is the game talk, now but then they talk about it It just celebrated 20th anniversary yeah. but then they talk about tark holding we want to hold live events and put out more merchandise and covid had stopped us from being able to do that and it's like okay uh, wait, wait a minute wait a minute like is it dead or not because like you what? don't hold live events for games that are in maintenance mode like that yeah. that serves no purpose besides spending money <laughs> I feel so bad for this game. Like, I don't know what it is about Square Enix, and they're just like it d doesn't meet expectations. Maybe that's part of it. But I, I then I look at EverQuest, and it's still getting expansions. You know, every year, year and a half. So it's 
mind-boggling because there's such a fan base behind 11 uh i just think they just need to connect 11 and 14 together and have one joint subscription and then you you'll get a lot of players give it a try if they're hooked up together yeah remember the payment system is changing by the way on the 14 side that was delayed yeah. for for those of you that have seen us talk about that in previous shows that got a slight delay Anyway, we'll have to see if this ends up being good news or bad news for Final Fantasy XI long term. I mean, I think the best you can hope for, and this is somebody who wants good things for XI, uh, has a vested interest in that game staying alive, is a maybe a bit of a smoother running maintenance mode. Like, that's kind of like where my bar is set as far as the best case scenario at this point. But I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. All right. Let's talk about Final Fantasy TCG. And uh, we're going to do our usual review of the set's legends. Uh, So let's kick it off with Ace here. Our five. What what is going on? Where is where is my card? There it is. Sorry. Uh, one drop fire forward at 9k power, so substantially above curve, obviously, with a class zero cadet job. So, you know, you know could, could play nicely in some uh, class cadet decks. When Ace enters the field, if you don't remove five fire cards from your break zone from the game, put Ace in the break zone. Okay, well, that's why you're above curve. When Ace attacks, choose a forward opponent controls, deal at 10,000 damage, and it has a special that until the end of the turn, Ace gains brave and can attack twice. So in Christmas land, you uh, you throw him out there. He does get to attack. You give him brave, and he can attack twice, hitting two different forwards with 10K each, knocking two bodies down, and, and hopefully getting in for damage. What do you think, Kronos? We'll start with you. Yeah, these are getting hard for me to rank now because I feel like I'm so far removed from the game. But... um. So I'm not like really confident on like what's meta and what's not and what people are playing and what they're not playing. I mean, this seems on paper pretty good. Um, nothing like it doesn't like jump out to me as like crazy insane. Obviously, if he like gets to attack, that's really good. Um, the added cost of removing five doesn't seem that hard to do later in the game. So, I mean, you're not he costs yeah. one, but he's not an early card. No, uh, no, he's a, he definitely. He's, that's isn't. what I was thinking. So like, and and the thing is like about the S is like because he feels later, and I feel like there's like a lot of other really good fire cards. I don't know how many copies of this guy you're really running, but I I could be wrong about that too. So I'm like, I feel like he's just pretty good and strong. So like, I don't know, it's probably somewhere like around a seven or so. Yeah, eight, it's maybe. one of those ones that it's like, okay, I actually don't even care that you're a class zero cadet, um, because honestly, I think if you're running a cadet's tribal deck you're probably using a different ace for for a different reason. Uh, but this is, like, I can't imagine running a mono fire deck and not at least chucking one of these in there. Like, just being a big old beat stick, and when you get it, you get it. Um, and then if you think, hey, let's cater to that special a little more and put a second copy in there, a third copy in, there is, of, of course, the ability to search this in different builds that aren't necessarily straight cadet builds, but are more to the fire side or even like a fire lightning. Anything that gives haste is going to help here, right? Like if you can goblin out or you can three drop Ramu in a fire lightning deck, like anything you can do to give this haste, if you want to pop that special particularly, 
that's those are very very awesome. So yeah, it's I think it's very build dependent. Except if you're running mono fire, like if you're playing a mono fire aggro deck, I know a player in our locals, Tark, that yeah, he, he, there's just going to be at least one of these sitting in that deck, and you always got to kind of be okay. I got to wait for that to pop out. Uh, great, I love the art too. I love the art. I, I'm probably going to give this a, an eight. I think uh, Kronos is a little better than you might give it some credit for, and that that just may be you know the cadet talking. Uh, I think it's can be a little bit better. I don't think it's tied to being a cadet uh, or in a cadet's deck. I think every mono fire pops one of these at least in there just for the the lulls of a one drop mid to late game 9k that you have to deal with right now or I'm going to start taking out forwards. I, yeah, I'm going to give it an 8. I think it seems a little, little strong. Um, is it going to be terribly meta? Probably not. It just simply because the decks it sits in aren't exactly uh, tier zero in meta. Tark, as a newer player, how do you read this? Uh, at first, I thought, oh my god, one for 9,000, and you could start picking off forwards. I'm like, oh my god, that's broken. And then I saw the the five you know, cost of the break zone, and I'm like, okay, that makes a little bit more sense. It's That's a little bit more balanced. You can't, unless you're dumping your whole hand turn one, like you're not really going to do that for this one card so i think it's perfectly balanced in the way it is it is strong uh yeah i would say i'm, I'm right with you i give it an eight yeah and most fire decks they don't care about removing cards from the break zone right like yeah. there's very little recursion in those types of decks so not really something you have to worry about yeah. he is a baby phoenix target right but you still have to pay the cost yeah you still have to pay the cost <laughs> yeah even after you phoenix him into play so uh, then we move to ice, and this legend is uh, has caused quite a bit of debate. Actually, like it depends I, on. I see. I, I actually see why. But continue. Sorry. On on ex is this good or is this not? Like the, quite a bit of debate. I, a two drop ice forward at eight k. All right, stat line right there. That's good. Then you start reading the text. Sarah Mobius can't attack or block, so it's a two k. Or a two-drop 8K that literally isn't going to help you in combat as far as being able to swing for damage or stop damage getting in. But it's got three dull icon abilities where you can dull and choose a forward to buff it by 2K power till the end of turn, dull it to choose two forwards and dull them, or dull it to choose one opponent's auto ability if your opponent doesn't pay 2 CP, cancel its effect. We're starting to see that kind of while only fire still has a mot, uh, and Leviathan kind of has, you know, the baby a mot, let's say, we're starting to see more taxing in other decks, particularly of auto abilities. So Sarah kind of jumping on that train. Kronos, you you kind of like had a a bit so, of a visceral reaction there when I pulled this card up first. So what's what do you think? Because typically, at least when I used to play, if a forward like so, the way you win Final Fantasy, like, there's no, like, real burn in this game, right? Like, you right. have to attack. So, if you, when you're playing your forwards, you kind of need them to do that. So, so, when your forwards end up tapping for abilities, like, there's not a ton of forwards in the game, at least when I used to play, that would dole themselves for an ability, and that ability is, like, really good outside of maybe, like, Zemus, I think, when I used to play, like, back in the day was one of them. They have to do something, like, pretty powerful. 
Uh, and then the fact that she also can't attack and block is kind of... It, she's essentially a sixth backup. That's what I see. I essentially see like a sixth backup. However, there are ways I, to I like, don't even see her that way because she's not CP. Right, right. I, I see her like, almost as a monster that can't be a forward. You know, that's and, also and, fair too. And, and has Monsters is a way doll abilities. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, maybe that's that's probably Except a better. Except she's analogy. easier to target than monsters are. <laughs> she's easier to target than monsters. And I mean, you could do some fancy stuff to like actually allow her to attack and block. Like I know, like you could probably call her. I, I would assume that works. Yeah, you could drop a um, Q-Q-Lane, take away her abilities and stuff. But then all she is is an attacker or a blocker at that point. You've lost all yeah. of her dull abilities. Yeah, but I mean, in a pinch, like an 8K for two, it's, it's not bad. I think most of the time, you're probably going to be using the second ability. Yeah, I would imagine. Yep. Um, but the other two are still pretty good too. Like being able to threaten 2K. I mean, a card like just Tiro as a backup that holds up later in the game. I mean, granted, you're not playing Tiro specifically for that ability, but that becomes kind of scary later. It's really, like, hard to deal with the extra 2k on an instant speed. And then, like, just being able to force your opponent to pay two more to do something can be relevant. I don't know how good she is. I actually find it really hard to rate this card, which is yeah. probably why I reacted the way I reacted. It's, it's one that I think is going to have to... Somebody's going to have to break it, right? Somebody's going to have mm -hmm. to figure out how to break it. Not having haste inherently hurts the card that, itself. That's the thing too, yeah. And being yeah. in ice uh, makes it a little challenging to give it haste. So there are certain ice fire builds that maybe you consider uh, that'll drop haste on it. Uh, there's certain, I mean, Ramu doesn't work in an ice lightning build because that only targets lightning forward. So you have to find ways to get that haste if you want to get that haste out. Um, yeah. And I always find that this is coming from somebody who absolutely loves uh, Earth Lightning, particularly Vanille. Earth Lightning, Vanille forward from the last set. Who has the same dull to uh, make an auto ability cost two extra CP, except she doesn't have the dull icon. It just says dull and active Vanille. So for those abilities, Vanille doesn't need haste. Um, the problem with taxing to me, it's like, okay, it's annoying. But if, Kronos, you want to do something to my board, you're already taking into account that it's probably going to cost you two more and you're working around it before yeah. you ever even have to do anything. There's, like, no surprises to this. Vanille is, I think, better at this only because she can do it the turn she comes in, which means if you slap it down turn one and they play Norse Talon, Norse Talon just costs six now to, to go get that search off. So there are better ways. Sarah, I... Hmm. I don't know. I mean, yeah, you're going to put it in maybe fire and use goblins as as I think Jeremy said in chat or uh that's seems like the most likely. I think she could be strong, but I'm not entirely sold that the taxing effect is as beneficial as I feel like Hobby Japan may be viewing it. And the control aspect of it is, you know, dull to dull too. That's obviously good. We ran them on for a long time because Dull 1 to Dull 1 was good back in those days. Now here's Dull 1 to Dull 2. Uh, so I can definitely see it as, hey, I'm going to have to deal with that card. And in yeah. that situation, in most of those situations, you're going to come out on the plus side of the, the CP exchange. But you spent two, and they're going to spend two to five, depending on what their removal is, to remove it. So the counter, I guess, I mean, I mean just thinking out loud uh 
Amon doesn't see play nowadays, right? I oh, absolutely not. It's too slow. So, but because so, doll yeah. one to doll one is too slow. Yeah, and also he could attack <laughs> if he needed to. <laughs> That's like, true. Yeah, so it's it's weird. Yeah, go ahead, Tark. I'm, I'm sorry. Yeah, Tark, as, a, as a newer player, uh, I'm really just... <laughs> interested in what you think here because you read those abilities and you're like, man, she does a lot. She does a lot, but she can't attack or block. So, like, she's a backup pretending to be a forward? I think a monster is yeah. a better analogy. I, I think once you monster? said that, okay. yeah. I think I think she's essentially a monster that gets hit by forward removal. That's pretty much what she is. So, yeah, easier to take her out, I guess, then, in that point. But she Most of the time. can do various things. I thought the, you know, Dole 1 to Dole 2 was pretty strong. Um, but, yeah, you're right. Um, you... you can't use it the first turn, so unless you can give her haste, you know, you can deal with her hopefully uh, pretty quickly before you're just, you know, shut down. So, all right, so here's the thing okay. this card's okay. pretty divisive. Like, people either think it's total trash or they think it could be something very, very special in the right circumstances. So, I'm interested to see where these scores fall one to ten. Tark, where are you putting it? Six, a six, Kronos. Uh, I'm going to say it's weak and hope someone proves me wrong. I, I'm probably saying it's like a four or three. I'm going to give it a seven. I think there's a possibility that this could break some things uh, or make light or, or that she could be broken. Um, I'm not sure I'm the one to do it. I have ideas, of course, but I, I think a seven is appropriate because I think even if you break her, the biggest effect is dull one to dull two. So it, it's not an eight, a nine, a 10 card, even if it could attack or block. I just don't think it is. But I, I don't think it's as bad as, as some people might think. Although I could totally be wrong in this never yeah, play. I guess my biggest worry is like all these things, like with the exception of plus 2K power, ice can kind of do mm -hmm. through other means. And the dull two, like, I mean, if you just want, like, if you need a dull two to win the game, just play some Shivas or something. Yeah. That's that's my thought two, process. Two drop but, Shiva wins games, as Creon always um, says. And that, Creon and Cannon and in Pittsburgh here always yeah. say. Yeah, and that's instant speed, you know. And they they don't see that coming. And I mean, they can see it, like they can predict it, but like they don't know if it's in your hand. Not two drop this Shiva very... really wins games if you <laughs> cast it after Realm, which will yeah. is a card we'll talk about in a little bit here. All right, let's take a look at the Wind Legend from Final Fantasy Twelve, Vane. That glorious hair. Uh, four drop, 8K. When Vayne enters the field or at the beginning of your main phase one during each of your turns, choose a card removed from the game with a warp counter on it. You may remove one warp counter from it. When a warp counter is removed from any player's card, draw one card. That effect only triggers once per turn. So this is the first card gang we have that really interacts with cards while they're in the RFG space, waiting to be warped into the field uh, and kind of manipulating those counters. All optional. You choose one and you may uh, remove the warp counter. So you don't have to. It's not forcing you into a situation where your opponent has warped something out. And because you have Vayne from an earlier play sitting on the board still, they're going to get there. You don't have to. But if you want the card, go for it. Uh, already all kinds of different thoughts about some warp cards we've seen. Theodore, I know, is one that a lot of people throw around uh, to make you discard three when it comes in. But there's other cards that, you know, Melvine, getting Melvine when you want Melvine, 
instead of having to wait. Th those are all interesting ideas and certainly in color if you're doing a wind ice, maybe a, a wind ice storm or storm variant. But is it worth running in those types of decks at the expense of its win con? So it's, it's a bit of a sticky situation for some of those decks. But could they see play? Could Vayne see play in other areas and get a little sneaky? Tark, we'll go with you first. Yeah, I I just learned about warp maybe a couple hours ago. <laughs> That's cool. I, I learned I learned about it yesterday. So, um, so my first, only real thought was uh, a legend we'll be talking about a little bit later, um, Golbez, and like, oh, you could speed up uh speed up Golbez, get some more. Our arch fiends draw some more cards, have you know things flowing and not really cost anything. He's only four for eight thousand, so yeah, I think he's pretty cool. I like him. I don't know if wind and lightning really works out, but you know that, that that's something you guys would have to wind lightning for me. Uh, I ran a pretty awesome uh, wind lightning deck in Opus Seventeen. It kind of got a little too weak in Opus Eighteen. Uh, when when wind got all the more toys, it was just like why why even have the lightning in here at this point? Uh, when just making these all green cards would be so much stronger. There's no reason for the the lightning cards to be here. Sounds, sounds like what I was playing. Sounds the same problem. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a very wind meta right now. I am super interested in vain for a couple things. I've already talked about Theodore. I like Sophie as an idea, um, which is uh, an, an ice earth card later. Uh, we won't be talking about it on this show because it's not a legend, but whatever. Uh, oh, yeah, we will. No, no, we won't. No, we won't. I confused. Make up your mind. Uh, yeah, I confused <laughs> Sophie and Preach in my head. My bad. Uh, I actually really like Vayne here. I like the idea of a turn one warp of Teodor, and your opponent kind of takes the turn and says, okay, look, I got two turns. I'm going to slap a backup down, and then next turn I'm going to flush my or splash my entire hand out. Uh, onto the board, and so they set one backup up, they pass it to you, and you say, okay, here's Vayne, and now Teodor's in, please get rid of three of those cards. Uh, and by the way, I'm going to draw a card uh, for that removal. Uh, is it Christmas Land? Maybe. Is it using it to time a Melveen and stuff like that? Is it a little Christmas Land? Sophie, a very good choice for this. Is it Christmas Land? I don't know. I'm very interested to mess with this one. I like the play space that it's in, getting a bit creative with messing with the warp counters while the cards are outside of play. Um, so I I'm actually going to rate this pretty high. I'm going to give it an eight. Now, that doesn't mean that I think it's going to be terribly meta and see a lot of competitive play, but I like the design. It's a solid card to mess with, and I do, do think you can do some interesting stuff, even if it might take a little bit of Christmas land now and then to really get it to pop off. I'm going to give it an eight, Kronos. Yeah, so I, was just, I just learned about Warp yesterday. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I didn't know what Warp was until I read about it. So my understanding of Warp, I, I know what it does now. I know how it works. It's Suspend um, from Magic the Gathering. Yeah, uh, but the only Warp cards I'm aware of are the ones that we are talking about today. So I don't know what Warp cards are good. I don't, know if, there are <laughs> I don't know if there are warp cards. I don't know if there are warp cards. It sounds really slow, um, and and like, but it's like you know, if stuff is like Golbez. I guess you're doing stuff while you're counting down. It's almost like an enchantment kind of thing, where like it's there and it's doing things, and then eventually it becomes something else and it does something else, right? Kind of thing, um, which is kind of cool. I like the design space. I think that's interesting, and I think Vane 
just from reading it and based on my understanding of warp, I think he creates some cool things, but I think he needs other warp cards to be very strong to be yes. able to be abusable. Yeah. Um, and if warp is strong, the thing is he also draws when your opponent uses removes warp counters too. Right, and so, so like, you're getting that draw at least once per turn as long as a warp counter moves. And it, yeah, do it so doesn't have to be moved by Vayne. So just right. even the natural countdown of also your opponent's warp or your own warp yeah. is going to draw you the card too. Yeah. So he speeds up your warps and 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 you get it, you an advantage off of your opponent playing warp cards. So the more warp cards that are being played, the better this card is. But it's again, it's really hard for me to rate competitively from that standpoint because I don't know how good warp is. So I'll rate it based on like what you said kind of in the design space. I think it's really cool. So I'll give it like a 7 or an 8 because I think if warp becomes good, this yeah. is probably a card that just skyrockets. I view it as one of those so, things. It's like a searcher, right? A searcher never gets worse, right? right. It, it always just gets better because it's yeah. going to get more targets to search and it, it just gets better. This is only going to get better. How much better? I don't know because warp is a little bit weird. Uh, it's not exactly the best comparison you can yeah. compare warp to a search, but you get my point. The more cards that have warp that become playable, the better Vayne gets. And so that's why I'm going to rate it. Uh, Tark, did you give a score? I did not. Um, but yeah, the, your point of the more warp there is, the the better he is. Uh, with that kind of future-proofing, I'll, I'll give it an eight. Let's go to the Earth legend, Kefka. I love Kefka. Five drop, 9K. If your opponent has three controls three or more forwards, the cost required to cast Kefka is reduced by five. All right, free free 9K. Yeah, hell yeah. Uh, Brave, so Vigilance for you Magic the Gathering players, does not dull when it attacks. When Kefka is put from the field into the break zone, choose a summon of cost four or less already in your break zone. You can cast it without paying the cost, and if you do, you, you have to remove that summon from the game afterwards instead of putting it back in the break zone. So you don't get to double dip on that one like we've seen with some other cards. Obviously, a card that pretty much right away, you're like, okay, well, that's that's going to be used to stave off a little aggression. Uh, and you got early forwards and you got a bunch of them. Well, I'm going to have a free big body that's brave, so I'm going to get to attack you while I'm blocking your your little things. I think he's actually kind of nutty. Uh, the the fact that he can make himself free, I guess, technically means uh, he can go in any deck. <laughs> he doesn't technically yeah. uh, have to go in a build. Uh, looks like Twitch disconnected. That's that's fine. We'll be right back uh, on Twitch. So he's kind of nutty. I like him. But I don't know how much I like him, Tark. The fact that he could be free and be in any color is interesting. Um, it has to be the right moment because you know your opponent needs three forwards. But I, you know, that's free. Then you can cast a summon. Then he can just well, he can't fling himself into battle that first turn. But once he does die, then you get another summon. So I, I think he's pretty cool. I like him a lot, and I like his art. Oh, the art's fantastic, awesome. yeah. What do you think, Kronos? Yeah, I think he's pretty interesting. Because Earth has always been, like, very toolboxy, at least from, like, you know, my when I used to play. And I, I assume that's still pretty much the case. Yeah. Um. So, like, I think you can just play one of them, right? And And you have tons of ways to, like, search an Earth, typically, and get the thing you need when you need it. 
So if you're playing against an aggressive deck that you know is going to go wide fast, I think you just go and get this guy, right? And then you're just like, well, okay, if you play three forwards, I'm going to play a free 9k and cast a summon for no cost. Um, so I think in that aspect, he's pretty good. But I think he's kind of like in that tech cardy space where like he doesn't seem overtly powerful to me but well, like you're only getting the summon after he dies when he dies yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. but i mean okay. if you're playing an aggressive deck you're probably yeah, yeah, yeah. at block um so like and and, and um, there's ways you can like sack him if you want to go that route too um but like yeah I, I think he's just like okay to me i think he operates in a space that could see him see like play as like a one-of or whatever to like get him out in those situations because when he's out in those situations it seems really good yeah but i don't think he's gonna like i don't really feel like he's breaking anything i guess i think so he's like, kind of nutty actually i think the ability to make yeah. him zero makes him kind of nutty he can go in any deck now theoretical that's theoretical of course but just think like what is the strongest or uh cat six deck right it's i you're either playing in, in fire ice or maybe you've decided to go into the ice water for some other Mog reasons and, and things like that, Realm reasons. But most of the time, it's Fire Ice. Well, you could toss this in there. And, and the only problem is you're, not, you're never going to play this early, right? If this is yeah. part of your mulligan hand, rip. Uh, you know, <laughs> you're not going to, even if you had the Earth CP because you had two of them, you're, you're not going to play it early. Uh, it is a five cost 9k that doesn't do anything on entry. So you really have to judge how likely am I to be facing down three forwards at once? That's the, the question I got to answer for this guy, because in Earth, particularly, there's a million other ways to get summons back. And there are in most colors. Um, and there's multiple ways to cast them for free, too. So that's not necessarily the greatest effect. But I do think it's nutty that he can essentially go into any deck. You can just tuck him into a fire ice cat six deck, and he's going to help your count six or your cat six counts for all the other things that that deck wants. Multiple cat six characters. I'm gonna have to give it a six though. I do think it's a little bit on the weaker side of things. It's interesting. It's fun, and it can go anywhere. But that doesn't mean it's going to go everywhere, Tark. I, I agree. Um, I was going to give him a seven. Um, like you said, you can go in any deck. Yeah, it's specific if you're not playing the element that you're, he's assigned to, which is Earth. But he's a 9K that could potentially be out there for zero and free summons if you decide to deal with him. So, sure. It, he's, he seems like fun. He's a fun card. Not overpowered. And then we hit Kefka. Or, I'm sorry, uh, Golbez. <laughs> Yeah. My boy. Four drop 8K that can be warped four turns from now. It'll come in if you want to pay two of any color and one lightning. So for one cheaper, he'll come in four turns from now. But when a warp counter is removed from Golbez, you may play one job Arc Fiend from your hand onto the field. When you do so, draw a card. That will only trigger if Golbez is removed. Uh, this effect will only trigger if Golbez is removed from the game. So while he's getting his warp counters spun down. All, all the job Arc Fiend uh, forwards you control gain 3,000 power. I'm going to keep mine real freaking short. This card is 100% on brand. I love the theming of it as far as... 
narratively, Golbez and the Archfiends. I think it's fantastic. I like the warp space it plays. I'm going to give it a one. Not because, <laughs> not because of Golbez or the card itself, but the Archfiends we have probably aren't worth this right now. Um, they're, they're just, they're just not. And it was weird seeing this dropped with no new Archfiend support in from Nightmares. I'm assuming we will see new Archfiends in Opus 20 then. Otherwise, this really doesn't have much of a home for a while. So I'm going to give it a one just because I think it's absolutely just not usable in a meaningful way right now. Not because the card itself is, you know, abysmal or anything. I actually think the card's really, really interesting. Go ahead, Kronos. I'll, I'll go a little bit higher because, I mean, if the Archfiends haven't been printed since I've played, like if they're still running kind of the same style. I think I saw the last time they printed the Archfiends, I believe. So um, if that's the case, I think he the space he operates right now is not great because yep. they're not great. Yep. Uh, also, there's a Golbez that's literally you can play for free. But uh, when I was reading about Warp, I guess you can play this guy Warped and still play the other Golbez. Yes, this you one can. just never comes into play, which is mm -hmm. fine because I think you just want to keep this guy out of play anyways. Yep. Because I, I think if you can, you would add Warp counters to this guy. I think. <laughs> I think well, you don't the, even the thing really is, like. You have to go all in with the Archfiends, yeah. right? Because you have sure. to. You have to have yeah. them in your hand. So, so yeah. Know? I mean, with that said, I'm not going much higher. I'll say it's a three because if they do print new Archfiends and Archfiends are good, I think. There are a couple gold beds routes you can go. I think you could play the one that yeah. costs less for the Archfiends and this guy at the same time. You could get some big forwards. And if they have good effects on them and you're playing them free and drawing cards, that could that has potential to be really good. Yeah. But as it stands right now, and as it's probably been for quite some time, they're just not great. Yeah. <laughs> so Bitch is one hundred percent on brand though, Tark. Like narratively, I don't think you can ask for a better narrative card right there. Yeah, you know, and he's opening the way for his arch fiends to come in. Uh, and then when they're all there, he will then make his entrance um, and empower them. So he's he's totally on brand. Um, but yeah, that was my question to you guys is like, are there arch fiends even any good? <laughs> so, <laughs> well, Travis um, in chat says the 13 arch fiends were barely passable at that time. And they want us to go yeah. back to those. What a waste. We have to be getting new arch fiends at Opus 20. We have to be. Yeah, if they get new arch fiends, you know, this could be revisited. Um, but I'll give it a two for right now because apparently they're not, those Archfiends aren't that good. You know, the the one thing that hurt me the most is, Kronos, you know, I'm a lightning baby. Mm. And yeah. this was my legend. I was like, ugh, yeah. that feels bad. That feels well, bad. Well, after what, three three Opus you know, expansions in a row where your lightning has been just so OP? Yeah, no, not really. Not <laughs> uh, three drop, 7K, water forward, Refia, Job Warrior of Light. At the beginning of the attack phase during each turn, activate all the Job Warrior of Lights you control. When four or more adult characters are activated by this effect, draw a card. Uh, dull four active job warriors of light as an action ability, and you can choose a forward opponent controls and put it at the top or bottom of its owner's deck. You can only use that ability once per turn. Newest girl loving the art here. Refia checking out her little her little hood there, her little outfit, making sure she's ready to go. I like all the other outfits hanging in the back. You can kind of guess at what some of those might be. Uh, all right, so here's an ability that says if four or more are activated at the beginning of your attack phase. Cool, draw a card. By the way, don't worry about trying to make them dull because I'm going to give you an action ability where you can dull four or uh, four of them uh, and immediately meet the requirement. 
for your first thing there. Kind of nutty on the initial read, but after you thought about it a little bit, Kronos, what do you think? So, uh, I guess there's no backup Warriors of Light, right? I mean, do, how many do we have? Maybe we do have some. We do. Uh, yeah, we do have some. We do. We've got and how playable? And... How playable are they? Like, do they see play in the Warrior of Light Tribe deck? Two. Uh, arc, arc from well, Opus one. Two. One. Thera okay. from Opus Seven. So I guess like the thing is, is like they need to they need to be aware of light and they need like because I think if you only need to if you can like start activating backups with this is where it gets real nut <laughs> nutty like because you're play you could play stuff and then like use the ability maybe and then like activate them all and then yeah do some I mean crazy you're probably gonna see the two drop fire Lunith backup. Uh, in most cases, uh, you're probably you're obviously not running the Refia water backup because you're running this Refia. Um, yeah. you, we haven't had an Ingus in a backup in a while. We did just get a new Lunith uh, backup in this set as well, but you're probably going to run the two drop fire one. So you can sneak a couple yeah. Warrior of Light backups in where where okay. this is really going to shine is that kind of critical, so, critical mass. Yeah. Yeah, so the thing is, like, if you're playing, if you have four forwards out and your opponent can't do much about that, you having four forwards out, you're probably yeah, you already win. won. So to me, like, that's kind of win Mori. It's still strong. Don't get me wrong. And if you're allowed to do it, sometimes it can win you a game that maybe you were behind and then you, you're able to do it. Um, so I think it's strong in that aspect. I think as they print backups that are playable that are worth like this becomes much stronger uh, because not only are you doing stuff you're also like regaining cp in a sense and you can also like because she activates all of them right yeah yeah so yeah. so like it doesn't need to be four you could like dull your whole board um and then like putting yeah, stuff absolutely. on the bottom you know because yeah. that is an action ability that theoretically if you got to super critical mass and had eight out you could pop it twice or well you yeah. couldn't because of the once per turn but you yeah. you're who's going to get up is just warriors of yeah. lights that are dull and then sometimes putting something on the top or bottom of the deck is better than putting it in the break zone. Yeah, pop so, it on the top and do a point of damage um, and get it out of the game. I guess if 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 the backups aren't crazy playable right now, I'll, I'll be a little bit more lukewarm runner, but I think she has a lot of upside. So I'll say like a six or seven. I don't know how good the Warriors of Light are. I know at one point they were pretty strong. Yeah, and um, you have the Light like, Refia, that, but they like compete now. Like you're you're yeah. you're playing two different win cons depending on which Refia you're actually playing in your deck. And so I, I, Warriors of Light for me is just like in this weird spot where I, I think that, that maybe what we have to date doesn't really define the archetype. Yeah. Like when you pick up a samurai deck, you know what the samurai deck is trying to do. Right. When you pick up oh. a dragoon deck, you know what the dragoon deck. When you pick up a Warrior of Light, you have to look through like four or five different key cards to say, oh, okay, that's the, the way we're going to go with this one and see if it works. Uh, I'm not a big fan of the Warrior of Light deck. I think it's interesting to watch it played. I just I don't like the play style of it. This yeah. reads nutty to me. Uh, how nutty is gonna remains to be seen. Yeah, it's it's also interesting too that she doesn't really care how they got doled. So like if you're yeah, playing they, against they just been doled for CP, yeah, yeah, or or like or they just like somebody they they played characters that had ETBs on their turn that doled your stuff so that you couldn't attack, but now that really doesn't work because you play her and then like all of a sudden all your stuff's active again. So you could do stuff like that. It's Use kind it of to interesting. duck doll freezes. Yep. What do you think, uh, Tark? Yeah, she could be 
pretty nutty, uh, especially with all the backups. Um, just flush yourself with, with more CP, draw a card, um, mess with the people. Again, it's a Warrior of Light deck, so I, I don't know how good that is. Um, but I don't even think she's the best Warrior of Light legend in this set. So there we go. <laughs> I'm going to give it a six. I'm going to give it a six. Give it a six, yeah. Six for you. What about you, Kronos? Yeah, I think six or seven is probably about where I'm at, too. I'll say seven. All right, fine. Just to be different. I get it. Yeah. I get it. Yeah. Just to be different. Uh, and then they printed this. Two drop, fire, wind, Zidane with haste at 7K. Can't be blocked by a forward of cost three or more. When he enters the field or attacks, your opponent reveals their hand. You may select one card from their hand. And if you do so, remove it from the game and your opponent draws one card. So we kind of have the Kate Sith backup effect on Zidane, uh, except you are not limited to not being able to select backups like you are with Kate Sith. This could literally be anything. Uh, and it is optional, too. So just like Kate Sith, you could look at their shitty hand and say... Nah, dog, I'm fine. You keep those. Uh, like, <laughs> you, or you're low on backup. You can remove that backup. <laughs> I I read this and I was like, this has to be... Because the first time I read this, it was the translated version. And I was like, somebody goofed. There's no way. <laughs> it was like a community translation. I was like, there's no way that's right. <laughs> there's just no freaking way that's right. Uh, and then the the full... English translation version came out, and I was like, oh, my God, it is right. <laughs> uh, oh, man. This this card sucks. Like, if you are playing awesome, and somebody right? drops this on the other side, you are in a bad spot if you can't immediately deal with this thing. I think the only saving grace that's stopping you from seeing this in every deck you go against is the fact that it's Firewind. That's not terribly... That's not a terribly tasty elemental combination. Now, there are cards in this set that they're trying to entice, like this card and some others, that are trying to entice that element combination a little more. And, of course, there are ways to cheat this in in other decks and things like that, too, where maybe you don't care about this necessarily being Firewind. But, honestly, that might be the only saving grace on this because... Damn, spend two CP and then just basically I'm going to get rid of the two most important cards in your hand right now if you can't do anything about this and I'm going to tag you for a point of damage. That's nutty, Kronos. I mean, that is absolutely nutty. Yeah, I don't know who at Hobby Japan is a big fan of Zidane, but like they love Zidane, man. Zidane, like, I mean, there's three CP Zidane. There's a Zane, the Zane they printed after I quit the game. I think that like steals cards off the top of your deck that I thought was really stupid. Yep. And there's this one. I don't like any of them. <laughs> I, I just, I mean, I, I played them. Don't get me wrong. I played Wins and Ane all the time. Um, I just wish they couldn't take backup. Like, I feel like, and I think it had been mentioned in chat, it's just, if you play this early and like force your opponent to like slow start, because of that, like you can just win the game on the spot because you've now turned their draw into complete shit. Yeah. And it doesn't feel good. It doesn't feel like 
we're really playing the game. It feels like I just played a card and then took your oh, cards. Oh, nothing and feels now... better than spending six hundred dollars in flights, hotels, and rental cars <laughs> to go ten a ten hour trip to uh to a Materia Cup and sit down turn one and lose to this. I mean, nothing feels better, right? I mean, I I, I played Nationals and Turbo Ice was the best deck. So tell me about it. <laughs> um, yeah, and I chose not to play Turbo Ice, which is probably a mistake. But um, yeah, it's. I mean, look, I, I like that this card can operate in a place. Like, I, I like that when it operates in a space in the game. I just feel like in this game where your cards are your resources. I mean, let, let me get this out of the way. I think this card's like at least probably a 9 or 10. Yeah. Uh, from a rating perspective. I just don't like the space it operates a lot of the time. Um, but I'm sure people feel differently than that way. And I, I think this card needs to operate in some space in the game. I'm, I'm all for it existing in some way. I just never liked the space that Zidane seems to operate when it comes to those cards. And I, I get that it's like he's a thief and like he steals things from you. I get it. Um, it just, I wish it was, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not a card designer. I don't make the cards. So I absolutely hate <laughs> this card from a design space. I think it's, uh, it's overpowered. Um, but that uh, saying that, that aside, I'm kind of like the same thing as you Cronus. I can't deny that this is going to be a strong card. It's one you're going to see. You might not see it everywhere just because it doesn't exactly cater to being cheated in by certain color decks. Uh, and Fire Wind by itself isn't generally prevalent, but you got Soiree decks. There's no reason not that this doesn't make it in there. Like there's there's where there's places you're going to see this. It's a 10 out of 10, whether you hate the card or not. It will shake things up. It's got to be a 10 out of 10 for me. Tark, what about you? All right, so uh, question. When it's a mixed element, do you have to have one of each element? Yeah, at, least, at least one yeah. of each, yeah. So you okay. can pay for you can pay four for them. If yeah, you, you could to. discard a fire card and discard a win card because you're allowed to overpay by one for each element that the card sure. needs. Uh, so there's at least that. So it is mixed. Um, but yeah, the only way this could be even more busted is if the, your opponent didn't get to draw a card. So at least they get to draw a card. When a card is picked away, well, let me so, introduce you I mean, to my friend Three CPs a day, and who doesn't let you draw a card? Yeah, yeah that's the first. <laughs> um, but yeah, he's 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 so busted. Um, I know you guys hate it, but I'm like, that's awesome. The he's worst so part is he's he also is in wind, which means it's not unreasonable for you to have Althea or Chocobos and and things like that to just snap this bastard back to hand and play it again in main phase two for yeah. a third discard. <laughs> It's just it's one or of those weird ones. Fourth. <laughs> yeah, it's one yeah. of those weird ones too, where you read the text and you're like, why did they go in this direction? Like, uh, yeah. how come he doesn't have to deal damage? Why is it just what he attacks? Yeah, like I feel just like I feel like him getting the discard on ETB is already pretty good. Yep. Him getting it dealing damage is also pretty good. <laughs> why does he just get it when he swings? Travis I don't know. Look just... at the smirk on his face. He knows what he did. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, right. Yeah, he's a 10. Yeah, he's, he's, he's a, a 10. 10. He's a 10. Was, whether you like it or not, he's a 10. Uh, then we have a Preesh. Uh, Ice Earth, 3-drop, 9k. Warp 2, so two turns from now it'll come back in. Ironically, more expensive than if you just cast it from hand. So Why? When Preach is in your hand, removed from the game due to warp, choose a forward, deal it 8,000 damage. Well, that's cool. I'm going to pay four, send you out, hit somebody with 8K, and then two turns later, you're going to come in. What do you do when you come in? 
When uh, Preach enters the field, choose up to one forward and up to one backup. Dull them and freeze them. So pop a dull freeze on a forward and a backup combo on entry. Again, I like the warp play space. You know, first glance, you're like, why would I pay more? Oh, okay, because just getting you out there is basically a summon. Uh, it's got the limitation Ooh. of main phase one, main phase two during your own turn, but it's basically an 8K pop summon with no restriction. Doesn't have to be dull, which is, you know, something we see a lot of, uh, in ICE. It doesn't have to have any cost restriction. It's just choose a forward, pop it with 8K. What are you thinking, Tark? You go first this time. Uh, I'm going to give it an eight. I love this card. She's awesome. Like, pop her out fairly early, and if there's something on the field, you get rid of it, and it's only two turns before she comes back, and then you can kind of lock them down a little bit. She's awesome. I love her. Kronos? Tark, what's your score? Eight. Kronos? I don't know if I really like this card. I don't think she's ter I don't think she's terrible or bad by any means. I just don't like the warp. I think warp is interesting. It's just so telegraphed. And it's like Certainly personally for, for me as like a player, I like to like hold on to stuff. I mean, I'm not saying she, again, she her both her effects are perfectly fine. And I think she's perfectly like costed for what she's doing. Like right. she comes out, she's big, which pushes are all big. I mean, like her initial effect for four isn't bad, and you're also gonna later get a forward, but it's just like your opponent knows what you're doing at that point. It's, and and it, and it, it is like you can play it like you could play it like a summon, like you said, but it's not exactly like a summon. Yeah, it's obviously during your main one or two, and that's it. Yeah, you are um, casting a character essentially. So, so I'm gonna just be like kind of like I guess a little bit more lukewarm on her. I'll say like a six. I I don't think she's bad, and I, I'm I'm sure people will try to play her. She might even really see play. I just I don't think she's doing anything inherently crazy, and she just feels a bit fair to me even as like a even as like a dual card so um that's kind of where i'm at i just i just feel like yeah she's kind of fair i'm gonna give her an eight and it's almost a nine she is probably one of my top three cards in this set for stuff i personally play that that fits that would fit my personal play style preach is chef's kiss uh for for stuff that i like to play I'm I'm gonna give it an eight, almost a nine. Like it's barely not a nine. Um, I like Preach a lot. I like Preach a lot. Next up, we've got uh, what do we have? Let me get the right. There we go. Get to the right screen. Oh yeah, we got Cloud. Miss your Cloud. Six drop. Uh, lightning. Uh, wind. Nine K. Cost required to cast Cloud is reduced by two for each card you've cast this turn. It can't become one or less, so cast two, then throw Cloud out there for two CP. When Cloud enters the field, choose up to one forward of cost four or less and up to one forward of cost five or more. Break them. So a two, presumably a two, four, or six CP 9K body that's going to snap two on its way in. And by the way, the signed art version of this is the chase card in this set. So if you happen to pull that, use a lucky dudes or dudettes. What do you think, Kronos? I think it's pretty cool. Um, like, I mean, anytime you have cost reduction like that, I think it becomes kind of like inherently stronger just because you have ways to get out for cheaper, even though you're playing other cards. They're still spending CP on other cards, but you're, those cards do other things too. Um, I think it's effect is fine 
Like, I, th I think it's pretty good. I think there might be some cases where you play this and, like, you might only get one thing. It depends. I mean, I'm, I'm sure there, there's going to be plenty of scenarios where you hit to hit both. Maybe, like, later in the game and stuff. If I don't know how good he is in, like, Wind Lightning, though. Yeah, I mean, Almost, the, obviously, you're like, you know, you want the the uh, Avalanche deck that plays Cloud for free. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah. I don't, I don't, you would love that yeah, here, yeah. but he, he, you know, he doesn't really fit in that build. Yeah, I don't, I don't think he's going to get played. Yeah, I don't, get, I don't think he's getting played there. Um, maybe, like, in, like, some Wind Earth stuff, I don't know how good that is now, where you just, like, forego playing Lightning cards and you just play them because you're Earth and you can play whatever the hell you want to play. Well, yeah, and if you're um, running Earth, you could even make that real cheap with the, the class Moogle that produces earth lightning yeah so so you don't even I, I have to wait for like a tyro or a shantoto you have a two drop backup that can produce the lightning for you yeah i think he's interesting i think he's a bit harder to rate for me as well i think i'm i'm like so i'm gonna be a bit more i guess lower on the lower end because i'm not not 100 sure but i'll say like a seven or an eight somewhere in there i, th I think if you play him for two and you hit two things Oh yeah, it's that's extremely good. <laughs> but it's that niche. It's that niche scenario that it's like. Yeah. Hmm. I, I think a lot of times you're probably going to play him for two and hit one thing, probably. Probably. Uh, I I really like him. I it's not exactly. I I don't have a spot for him in favorite decks. I have an idea of where I'll put him in my bag as far as what deck he'll be in, but it doesn't cater to to my play style. Uh, but I can't deny that it's it's strong. It, this is a strong card. It's got to find a very special home, but there are homes for this for this card. And again, I keep like you keep looking at Soiree, right? Soiree is like a four color deck for all intents and purposes in most cases. And Wind and Lightning is are two of those. You know, you've you got the Merolds in there. You've got. So you could theoretically put it in there. I think it does have some other homes as well. Uh, I'm going to give him a, a, an eight on this one. I think he's pretty damn strong. And if you get him off for two, fantastic. But I don't think you feel all that bad if you get him off for four. And most decks have no problem casting two things. This isn't like you have to storm pop off and cast seven to get that Luso entry effect. Most decks aren't going to have... Too much of a problem by the time you want to play cloud having the resources to cast one or two things before cloud i'm gonna give it an eight tark i'll split the difference i'll give it a seven <laughs> fair, <laughs> fair enough I'll yeah split i, I the think difference to, to maximize maximize the, the the benefits you know it's kind of niche um but he's still like even at four he's he's a 9k body um and you can get one to two um forwards you know broken and yeah i mean in in super christmas land our next card yuna three drop 8k in wind and water goes hand in hand with that cloud uh when yuna enters the field choose one forward opponent controls if the uh cost is uh, i'm sorry not with that cloud uh if you cost controls equal to or less than the number of category 10 characters you control put it at the top or bottom of its owner's deck and at damage five when Yuna enters the field, you may search for one category 10 character of cost six or less and play it to the field. Uh, I'm going to slightly broken like this card, uh, particularly with some Riku backup stuff that we've gotten in this set. We've got Buddy who now searches uh, other cat 10 backups. Uh, this Yuna, I think, is is a little bit broken in the cards that uh, in conjunction with the cards that came out in this set. What do you think, Kronos? 
Yeah, so again, having no context of, <laughs> of what's, what cards are good, uh, it, it, the more 10 backups that are played, the better this card is, right? Because if you play three backups and then play Yuna, I mean, you basically get to return almost anything <laughs> to, their, to their deck, yeah, which is pretty good. Uh, and then once you get later in the game, you literally probably are returning anything you want to their deck if you're like full in on 10, like if that's the deck. So I think I, again, if 10 is really good, if 10 is a deck, I don't, I don't know if it is right now. But if it is, and these are the colors they're playing in, which I think is pretty typical from my understanding, at least how it was before, I think she's pretty strong. And if you get the the damage five off, I mean, yeah, that's going to be really huge. insane. Yeah, that's huge. So um, honestly, I so the reason I think this is a little nutty is you one category ten backup, one category 10 monster and there's one in water in this set that you probably want to run or you know whatever but so let's say one cat 10 backup one cat um 10 monster playing yuna gets rid of a three cost or below i'm mm -hmm. and that's that's super relevant right now like three and and you you hardly did anything to get that effect um by the way you're now again top or bottom of the deck which is always better than break because now you have have a little bit of um, a control on where that's going to go. Maybe you're going to put it on top of the deck and just smack them to put it into the damage zone uh, or put it on the bottom of the deck, hoping they're not going to get another search off and it's just going to stay there for the rest of the game. It's, it's strong. It's very strong. I got to give it an eight, uh, particularly with the support that 10 and uh, got in, in the form of buddy, and Riku backups, which Riku allows you to play Cat Tens um, with CP of any element, so, or, or so you know you could dull Riku to create any element you want to pay for a ten. So you not don't even necessarily have to run her in Wind Water. Um, it'd be a little risky, but you could theoretically run her in a straight Wind setup and just grab Yuna and the Water Monster, throw them in that deck, and Riku's going to be able to dull for the the water for both Yuna and and the monster. So it's kind of nutty in my books. I, yeah, I'm going to give it an eight. I I mean yeah if 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 like it's good and also like it I mean there's easy ways like if the Riku is the backup and this is the forward then I just go back to like the pain <laughs> like the old like two CP EX pain. Yep. And then it's going to be really easy to. Uh, assemble that team <laughs> well it's even easier now because we got buddy a uh yeah. backup a wind backup cat 10 that searches another cat 10 backup okay so, <laughs> oh he can search backup yeah you just go has to be a backup you play buddy you grab riku you throw riku out you're set you got two cat 10s you're ready to go <laughs> yeah i mean I'll, I'll give her an a2 just in that design space if 10's good i think she's really good so uh if you know riku and painter on the field do we have a dance off is that well, what happens? Yes, immediately. Yeah, you know, just you, you don't play anymore. Best dance wins. When Best when I when, when I played, it might as well have been you dance and I mill you. Yeah. So there's a yeah. Yeah. back in the day. <laughs> back in the day. Tark, what are you gonna give Yuna here? Uh, I'll give her a seven just because I don't know how good ten is. Um, but from what you were saying, that sounds like an awesome combo, and uh, she'd pretty much be worth it. Then we get to Unai, six cost, earth, water, uh, 9K. Before paying the cost to cast Unai, you may remove a total of two earth and or water summons in your break zone from the game to reduce the cost required to cast Unai by two. 
When Unai enters the field, choose up to one forward opponent controls and up to one backup opponent controls. Return them to their owner's hand and has a dull action ability to choose a summon in your break zone. Add it to your hand. You can only do that once per turn. Uh, this is one of my favorite legends in theory. I'll let you know how it plays out. But I honestly think this can be horribly abused. I think I know how I want to do it. And damn, is it going to be gross if it works. Um, and I think others who are smarter than me are going to figure out even more ways to abuse Unai. I love the card. I can't wait to mess with it. 10. I might be uh, overvaluing it right now, and it might not end up that strong, but from a personal interest standpoint, a 10. Go ahead, Tark, since I mean, you started not, talking there. I mean, you're not going to play this like first couple turns, right? No. I mean, because you're not going to have the summons in your break zone to... Well, so here's the, the thing, though. Anyways. Like... <laughs> Here, here's your, the thing, though. Like, if you drop that on turn two when they've got a forward and a backup out, that could be pretty devastating. You just set them back to zero. Yeah, like, you, you just, just you just reset them. So you can absolutely, um, I can see this playing in 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 a very beginning turn in certain circumstances. Uh, you set a wind player back that you know Chocobo Samd or Norse Talland. That's that's a little rough. That could be a little rough uh, if you have a follow-up there. And then there are other times where, no, you're going you're gonna to do it later because you're going to use it to remove some big threats or things causing you problems. I think there's a flexibility there. I really, really like this card. Yeah, and then you can always use the summons to pay for it to come out, and then, and then you can dull them to use those and put them back in your hand. So, yeah. Yeah, get them back. Yeah, that's always good. Just... uh. FYI, you can't pay for the you can't use the summons to pay for it that you're discarding or you're removing. No, no, no. They're from uh yeah, okay. so they have to already be there. Yeah. Yep. 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 Uh ten out of ten. Kronos, what do you got? Yeah, I, I think this card's really cool. Um I'm not sure exactly on the strength. I, I agree with you. I think it's gonna take some smarter people to really like I think it has potential yep. to be very, very strong. Uh if you can play it in the early to mid game where the where like it's harder for your opponent to just play a backup back down it can be backbreaking like returning a backup back to their hand that maybe they didn't get value out of maybe just like a, a 2 cp and they only have like two backups down and maybe a forward and now they're left with like one backup and no forwards and you right. played a 9k for four i mean yeah you had to remove two cards from your break zone I think the last effect is just kind of icing a little bit. I mean, if you get to get it, sometimes it can be really good to get the summon you need back. But I think just playing like a big dude and setting them behind, I think the later you... Or, or just the, screwing my, their colors. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that too. Yeah, yeah. if they're playing like a multicolor deck and you remove a backup that they need to actually pay for things, that could really set them behind too. And I mean, that could be useful later in the game as well. Um. Yeah, it's just... The only thing that kind of like holds me back from like rating it super high is... It just feels like the later you wait to play the card, the the, the worse it gets to me. Like, oh, no I feel doubt. like you need to no doubt. Yeah. Early card. And um and like when I think like Earth Water, the elements that it's in, I feel like those are decks that are like slower and like trying to get and they want like that advantages later. And then you end up just playing like Leviathan, probably like the nine CP. 
Um, I do like this card a lot, though. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to give it an 8 just because I'm not sure if it's like super powerful, but I like the space that it's in. Cool. And I think it has potential to be broken off for sure. All right, we've gone over, but we got a couple more here. Uh, Yishtola in Fire Lightning, 8K. When she enters the field, you may receive one point of damage. When you do so until the end of the turn, Yishtola gains haste and cannot be blocked. When either player receives a point of damage, choose one forward opponent controls deal at 4K damage. What you got, Tark? Uh, I love Yishtola. Yeah. She's my bae. Um, I give this an 8 because... Bam, you're going to take that point of damage, there's 4k, and then you're going to attack, and they take a point of damage, and there's another 4k, so you could really turn the tables with this one card. Yeah, and then she continues to get that effect anytime she's on the field and somebody took damage. She just keep pinging people with 4k anytime somebody takes damage. Mm -hmm. What you thinking, Kronos? Yeah, I'm probably like right around the same place. I'll say like a 7. I think she can, she can swing a game, and then like in that color, it's, there's a lot of things that do damage to yourself or whatever and then you're probably playing bursty heavy stuff so like you play her you flip a burst you kill like two things and then she does another point of damage and then the rest yep. of the people swing through for the win so i think she's good yeah sure. and by herself like not only is she good by herself but if you look at her in the conjunction with like the new 13 starter decks that came out that's gross like putting Yishtola in that deck is just absolutely disgusting or in an optimized version of that deck, I should say, is just absolutely disgusting. There's so much control and enlightening. Maybe you have Cindy out to deal yourself some extra damage that way. Like there's so many self damage things in this element or uh, in this element combination that, man, she is just horribly online. I'm putting her to nine. Uh, I'm, I'm putting her to nine. She's she's pretty mighty. Just letting it all hang out. She's a brick. House. She's a brick. House. Then we got Realm. Realm. Our ice water. Uh, two drop ice water, and boy, did this card serve me well in pre-release. Uh, when she enters the field, select one of the two following actions. Choose one monster in your opponent's break zone. Play it onto your field. Living the dream. I'm going to get somebody's Luminous Puma. It's going to happen. Uh, <laughs> during this turn, if your next summon of cost four or less uh, cast from your hand is put into the break zone, remove it from the game instead, then cast it again without paying its cost. Now, we're not going to get into the rules stuff that Realm needed a lot of clarification when she was first uh, spoiled way back when. We're not going to get into the rules discussion here. We can talk about that on uh, one of my FFTCG streams if you if you need some help with this one because this one is particularly obviously that second ability uh, can be a little weird and some people have already asked about stacking certain things in certain ways and there's this is actually like multiple triggers right the summon has to be cast from your hand and has to hit the break zone if it is then remove it from the game instead and when that happens so th there's a lot of rules clarifications that. Um, this this triggered. But man, did Realm serve me well. If you watched Monday's pre-release, uh, I went 3-0 at that particular event, and Realm put in work double-casting the four-drop Shiva for free, doll-freezing two forwards Oof. on the double-cast and drawing two cards. Uh, literally cost me two CP to get a body, draw two cards, and doll-freeze two forwards. Uh, that's, stuff like that is gross. Obviously, Sildra in water is going to be the you know the the card a lot of people want to double cast. Uh, enjoy it because I still feel Sildra is going to be banned uh, not too far from now. 
There's going to be other ways to abuse the hell out of this. To me, Realm's an easy 10 out of 10. Uh, it's in a decent combination of elements for what it wants to do. Ice summons aren't particularly good across the board, but Sildrum more than makes up for that in the water elements right now. Uh, and I think this is another, like, watch what Chris Matiski or somebody like that does with this card. They're, they're going to figure out a really a really nifty way to, to mess with Realm. I think she's terribly strong. She carried me to a bunch of wins over three different pre-release events, and I know that's a sealed environment, but I think she's going to be equally as challenging to deal with in certain standard environments. You're up, Kronos. Yeah, I think she's really strong, too. I think the first effect is whatever. Um, because, like, I mean, it has to be your opponent's monster, which makes it far more limiting. But, I mean, there's no cost restriction. So, yeah, I mean, you pull a five-cost Luminous Puma and probably win the game. Yep. Um, yeah, but the summon one, I think, is the one that's going to come into play, like, 99% of the time. Oh, yeah. And um, double casting certain things is going to be really crazy strong for... I mean, you're probably looking... You're paying this plus probably three fours for the summon, not assuming that you have, like, other ways to discount summons, like Yuna. Yeah, I mean, like well, that. if you're using the summons that are in Opus 19... Uh, both the water and the ice summon in this same set, they are reduced to zero um, if you have played a matching element forward in that turn. Okay. So you can cast the, <laughs> you can play Realm, who is an ice forward and water, but and then immediately drop the four cross Shiva on top of it for no cost because an ice forward and then play it again. Turn. It yeah. does get a little weird, by the way. Those summons, we're talking about water, so I should say if you have the Yuna backup, then they aren't zero. They, the, they, they do, the water summons do cost one. That's uh, weird. Yeah, because Yuna cancels out the... Uh, Why? Why would the... Because her uh, text I mean, I, is cannot become zero, and that always I, takes priority when there's two or more of those reduction effects. Interesting. If Great. any one of them says cannot become zero then it cannot become zero no matter how Even many others no matter how many others say you know it, it just reduces so yeah yuna makes like the leviathan cost one not free okay <laughs> yeah Weird. i mean that's interesting but uh yeah i think regardless i think she's really strong obviously like as long as soldier's a card that's pretty nutty if you want to go crazy i guess one of the first cards i thought about was like the old lich summon oh, that's geez. a board wipe yeah that is a board that's wipe, a board wipe. Um, but you know, I mean, you're probably not playing that. So, but just, you know, I think she also brings back, people are going to start thinking of cards like that. It might not, that might not be the card people play, but you might start seeing some funky summons from these two colors just because double cast to them might be good. So yeah, you don't feel I, like think, paying four for that effect once, but you'll pay four for that effect twice. Yeah. That so I'll, I'll say nine, potentially 10. Yeah. What so. you got Tark? Uh, I'm going to give her a 10 where, you know, Vane is. Um, the more warp there is, the the stronger he can be. There's already so many summons in the game, like you can just play around with whatever you can think of, and just again, that Shiva just sounds absolutely busted. Uh, so double cast a summon is just awesome. Yeah, ten. Final legend is the four element warrior of light, the first uh element or multi element card that we got that's more than two. Uh, fire, wind, earth, and water kind of narratively on point there with, you know, the original Warrior of Light. Uh, you can only pay with CP produced by backups to cast Warrior of Light. Cast being the key word there. Uh, haste, First Strike, and Brave at 10,000 power. And when Warrior of Light enters the field due to your cast, activate all the backups you control and draw a card. 
So if you take the time to set up the backups, he's basically free. Oh, wait, here, have a card. And so realized value to uh, take a term from Jeremy. Uh, the realized value on there becomes zero. Uh, dull and choose a forward. Deal it 5,000 damage. So can uh, potentially trade up if you can find some 10Ks or above it might need to trade up with. <laughs> Oh, it's not even trading though, right? Because it has first strike. Yeah, because it has first strike. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, yeah. I, I'm gonna tell you something. I uh, I pulled this in my first pre-release kit. I pulled the full art version of this in my very Ooh, first pre-release nice. kit in Erie on uh, last Saturday, and so immediately I was like scoping out the viability. Of because you're always going to run it, typical pre-release. You're probably running three colors. Maybe you'll get lucky occasionally and push to two, but you're typically running three colors at a pre-release. So it's not out of the realm of possibility to sneak a fourth in there. So I'm kind of looking at all of my fire, wind, earth, and water cards, and I'm like, well, shit. I basically have to be in ice, lightning, earth to even have a viable deck which means I have the worst possible cards to go with this Warrior of Light and this beautiful full art Warrior of Light sat in the box for the entire Aww. event. I couldn't Fetch. make it work. Couldn't make it work. Um, what do you think, Kronos? We'll go to you first. Again, this is another one I find kind of hard to rate. Obviously, he reads really, really insane. Um, the first thing, though, is is like makes him hard play. Yeah. Um, I mean, because it does say cast, uh, yeah, so you, you can can't cheat, cheat him in certain ways. Um, some of them a little more complex than others, but in theory, he could be cheated. Yeah. You could, uh, does Sybil count as cast? I don't remember, because cast was introduced kind of like, they changed that keyword like after I stopped playing. Yeah, so what does what? If, if you play Star Sybil, can you play him? Yeah, 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 yeah. You okay. could cheat it in with Star Sybil. So that, I mean, that's relatively easy. Um... But I think you still are wanting to play more Warriors of Light to make him almost like have to be killed. I think he's still probably really good by himself too, because like even if you Sybil and you could like play Sybil, have like a bunch of backups that you spend on other things, then Sybil him out. He activates everything. You play more stuff, and then you don't. Maybe you don't need the other Warriors of Light at that point. Maybe he's just good enough on his own because he has all the keywords. Um, so maybe that. I mean, that could be really good. I don't know. Uh, I'm sure people have been experimenting with him. I'm sure, like trying to find ways to cheat him out. So I'll, I'll say he's, I'll say he's an eight, but he, he might be even higher. Because I mean, just yeah, good. Yeah, he's another one that I just keep looking back at. You know, Soiree could do it. Like, and there's no reason not to. You know, uh, you've got the multicolors. You've got a cheater for four costs or below in that deck already. Like, you know, why not? I'm gonna tell you where I'm gonna use him. This bitch is getting straight discarded for Gilgamesh FFB if I decide to mess with it. Just because your break zone needs to have uh, anywhere from five four to elements. seven elements, depending on what, yeah. what targets you're going for. And this son of a bee counts as four. Uh, so yeah. <laughs> let, yeah. me, let me just chuck him into the break zone. It's like an entire ice deck, and I've got these two Warrior of Lights in there just to discard one uh, and get four colors online. But that's just me being goofy. I, I actually really find this one difficult to rate, too. It's strong. Um, yeah, you're at turn turn you're at five, turn zero. Ice card and Gilga. That's that's where my brain went with this one. I'm sure I'm not the only one. 
I do find this really, I find it interesting. I find it also very difficult to rate, even being an active player. I'm going to give it a seven for now. Um, I am even leaning towards a six for now. While I think he's super interesting and can do certain things, I also think they're more niche things uh, and not necessarily strong meta plays. But I also wouldn't be surprised to to find somebody really just rock the house with this card in in a way I'm not thinking of off the top of my head. So I'm going to lean towards a six, but we'll officially put a seven on the board, Tark. Uh, I'll go with seven. Uh, yeah, if he can get around, you know, all the four elements needed, uh, it's awesome. He's strong. Heck yeah. Attack and then do 5K. Fuck yeah. Let's, Let's head over to Love It or Leave It. Love it or leave it is the way we end every episode of The Relic Grind here. It's where I give you something Square Enix related. You tell me whether you love it, want more of it, or leave it. Throw it away, never to see it again. And of course, since it is our FFTCG legend review, I'm going to ask the same thing I always do. Love it, your favorite legend. Leave it, your least favorite legend. I will go first. Unai and Preach are kind of tied for my love it. So, but there's no fence sitting here. So I'm going to give the edge to Preach only because I know exactly what I'm going to do with her. And Unai, I'm still thinking about a few different options. So I'm going to give my love it to Preach and I'm going to leave it, leave it uh, to Golbez. It's just, and it's it, buddy, Golby, 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 strong Golby. I love you. It's not you. It And it's not oh. me. And it's not you. It's your friends. It's your friends. Yeah, it's it's absolutely your friends. <laughs> or your lack thereof. I'm going to give my leave it to Golby. Uh, go ahead, Tark. Uh, my love it will be to Preesh. Uh, I think she's super strong. And the more things that you could do with Warp, I just see her getting better. Um, and I'm with you. Um, I, while I love Final Fantasy IV, if Golbet's friends are not, you know, of the reputable kind that you want to associate yourself with, you know, and you're not really going to play him. So Jeremy in chat says, love it, Zidane, leave it, Realm. Chat, mm. if you want to chime in with any of yours, let us know while Kronos gives his. Yeah, I'm going to say Unai is my love it. I think that would be what I would play if I was still playing the game. That would be the first card I'd probably tinker with. So that, that would probably be mine. <laughs> I'm going to leave Zidane. Fuck that card. <laughs> like, like, it's a really good card. I wouldn't blame anybody for playing it. Uh, I just... I don't understand how I could like leave the game, come back, and every time I like look at this game, there's like this another Zidane that just I don't understand. I don't understand. Somebody in Hobby Japan he's, really likes Zidane. I like Final Fantasy IX. Every time you turn around, he's better, faster, and cheaper. Yeah, <laughs> I, I like Final Fantasy IX, but better, this game faster, makes me stronger. question that. <laughs> so yeah, that's gonna do that's it great. for yeah. Imagine if it wasn't card names Zidane. Uh, that's going to no. do it for this episode of The Relic Grind. Thank you so much, so much for hanging out with us today. Make sure you click like, subscribe, and all that fun stuff. We'll be back next Thursday with another episode. Until then, Kronos, where can everybody find you? <laughs> uh, yeah, same as always, Twitter. I'm um, just kind of chilling out, playing Marvel Snap, doing the ultimate. That's pretty much it. Tark. Switch to YouTube, all at Tarkoth Gaming, hoping for a Final Fantasy IX remake so we can have more Zidane's. I'm Mike Byrne. You can follow me personally right there at Magic Man One, but more importantly, follow at RC Radio R A I D E O on Twitter, and you'll know every time we're going live with a podcast, a stream, Final Fantasy locals, and much, much more. Until next time, gang, stay safe. We'll see you on the servers. Bye.
Later. Best needs a better class of friends. <laughs> <laughs>